Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. E-S-N-Y. What is happening, guys? We are back. This is Bleacher Creatures episode 156, brought to you as always by XL Media, Crossing Broad, Elite Sports NY, Warwick Gaming, and as always, Rivercrest NYC. Uh, what's good, man? How we doing? Hanging in there. I mean, I'm ready for the season to start, that's for sure. Yeah, it's like I'm on pins and needles at this point. We are exactly one week out from opening day. Yankees, Giants. Like, God, I, I would hate not not just be a Giants fan, but a Giants executive and have to go to Yankee Stadium for opening day, especially after <laughs> the offseason that they had. Like first, like the fake Aaron Judge report, then Carlos Correa, and they get cold feet there. And then on top of that, they have to settle not only for Mitch Haniger, who's who plays, I don't know, maybe 90 games a year. And then they go on Michael Conforto, who hasn't played in a year, and somehow they can justify that, but not Carlos Correa. And then they got to go, they got to look right in the eyes of Aaron Judge, who told him, no, nah, like, I, I don't care that I rooted for you growing up. I'm a Yankee. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, God, it, it, you know, I don't even know what I'm going to say about them, but just because of like, you know, it, in the same vein where you're always like, you know, it's just the Mets. I'm always like, yeah, it's just the Giants. Like, who cares? Like, they're, you know, West Coast, like, whatever. I mean, like, yeah. how, how worried were we actually? that the Giants would be serious free agency players for Aaron Judge at this point. Because going back, I don't know about you, but going back to, let, let's say even like mid-November, early December, I just kept thinking like, they, okay, but like, yeah, they could, they'll talk to him. But they, the Giants have never been that team to go big or go home in free agency. Yeah, they'll, they'll spend like maybe one big contract here, one there. Like Barry Zito's the big one that comes to mind. Didn't work out too well for them. Yeah. But yeah, like the, the Giants, they've never been like, yeah, even though they play technically in a big market, they've never had a big market payroll. Yeah, I mean, they should just really stick to cultivating their own talent and then paying through that, you know, that, yeah. that's what always made them successful. The Posies, the Lincecums, the Canes, yeah. that homegrown talent. It's like, yeah, so with like when they became, we all knew there was going to be that connection because, you know, Judge's childhood, but like yeah at the end of the day was i really concerned with the giants and judge i mean i don't know not really i i always felt like you know whatever offer judge would get from the giants he would at least go to the yankees and give them a chance to one up them yeah you know like yeah i'm just glad we had this conversation the other day or in the group chat the other day about like talent in the west coast i'm just glad another you know dare i say almost generational talent getting stuck on the west coast where 
we on the East Coast can't watch. Yeah, I know, right? And all that being said, like looking at the Giants right now, it's not like they have a bad team. I don't know. I don't know if this is a playoff team. It's certainly not a bad team. I mean, Logan Webb, he can pitch. Sean Manaya, he's been looking pretty good. Taylor Rogers is a decent reliever. Then um David VR is supposed to be a very exciting prospect at third base. Hit like yeah, he had like 30-something home runs in the minors last year. They strike me as a team that has a really high floor, but not that high of a ceiling. Yeah, the Giants, like I, I've been doing a full MLB preview over at ESNY for those who read the site. Uh, the Giants, they're basically bank. They and the Padres, uh, in turn, they're banking on the Dodgers having one of their weaker teams in years and being kind of banged up where it matters and hoping yeah. that they can just outslug that pitching staff. Because, you know, Kershaw, he's not going to give you uh, 200 innings again this year. No. Gonsolin, he's he's currently out with a sprained ankle. Dustin May, you don't know how many innings you're going to get out of him. Bueller's coming off Tommy John, right? Bueller might not even pitch this year. Uh-huh. There you go. Because yeah. if, Bueller, if Bueller does pitch, he's probably going to be doing limited bullpen work in September. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that division is shaping up. Yeah, I, I think I think everyone agrees, and it's not a, a revolutionary thing for me to say, but, you know, it's the Padres to lose. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think the Giants, when they were targeting Judge, you know, I it definitely, I think, comes from a place of desperation just to keep pace with all of the moves that the rest of the division is making. Uh yeah, uh backtracking. I took a look at the at the Dodgers pitch uh pitching staff. They're more or less banking on Urias and Cindergard to give them ace numbers. Yeah. Yeah, I can't. It I can't. could happen. I don't think it will happen. I, I don't think it'll happen from both of them. I think you could get it out of Urias, but you know, yeah, I don't I, I don't see Syndergaard hitting those numbers ever again. He's just not that kind of pitcher. Yeah, he's adjusted all right with the uh, with the Angels and the uh, the Phillies last year. He definitely, yeah, but he's not, he's just not an ace, you know. He's, he's not, not an ace, but he's like he's learned he's readjusted how he pitches, and you can see it in his strong spring training so far. Yeah, that's true. But but you were absolutely right. The the Giants in trying to sign Judge, yeah, they are trying to keep pace because we've seen the Padres they they're spending money through the nose. The Dodgers, you know, they're going to probably offer Shohei Otani a massive contract next year. Um, the Rockies, they're, the Rockies are terrible, but it's Coors Field, so their offensive numbers are padded. And yep. even the Diamondbacks, they they have a lineup that can score. They just really, they you can see, based off of last year, because we all know your uh, unique former connection to the Diamondbacks, <laughs> the problem there was very much the coaching. And yeah. and. On paper, the talent is there, just a matter of finding a pitching staff that can help support the offense as well. Yeah, well, so I think I think the coaching staff they have in place is is getting better. Yeah. And I think they're forming a stronger connection with their players. Again, my connection to that team, I'm kind of out of date with it. But from what I gathered, they were – the clubhouse was, was not bad, and the leadership was not bad. Um, it is just a matter of lack of that talent. And maybe now with like Corbin Carroll, I'm assuming at this point he's making the opening day roster. They just extended him. Yeah. They just gave him the extension. He had a, did you see that triple he hit today? No, I didn't. 
get a triple into the gap like it a regular person it's a stand-up double it was a stand-up triple for him it was just, like he just flew and he made it look easy um so a guy like him you know you got christian walker in the center of that lineup who i think we can all i, I think at this point would be fair to say he's a bona fide power hitter oh yeah but, like He's done it. You know, he had his first, I think, 30 home run season last year. He's gotten up to like 27, I think, before the pandemic. So, and he's not one of those like low 200 guys. Like he'll hit 240, 250 with with room, I think, to grow. Um, So he's like your staple in the middle of the lineup. You just got to fill out the pieces around him. And I think, I haven't looked at the rotation in a while, but they got some good rotation pieces, don't they? Zach Gallon is an ace. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so they got like one ace and maybe two midline starters. Like, yeah, I mean, and Madison Bumgarner's a shell of himself. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's he's not going to do anything of note. It it sucks for them because it sucks for the Diamondbacks because they're in that they're in that division where it's yeah they have to go up against the Padres, and like the you Dodgers. said, printing money, and then the Dodgers who have historically printed uh, money. How's this for irony? The Padres, if you think about it, are technically printing Dodger money because their owner, uh, Peter Seidler, his grandfather was Walter O'Malley. Oh, uh, okay. Yep, yep. That's that's a good bit of irony. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just, anyway. Uh, as long as the Dodgers are dethroned. It's time. It's coming. Yeah. yeah. It's long overdue. That said, I really hope they keep, they keep it up with what's always been a very successful player development system. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, back to the Yankees. So things in Yankee land were okay. So there's always this small pocket of fans on Twitter who sees sub 500 ball in spring training and panic. How worried are we actually about this team? Cause I, I, for one am not overly concerned. I'm not, I'm not worried by the pitching at all. Okay. Like I, like I, I know, um, like Sevy got touched up a bit early in his last start but, but you know if you watch Nestor Nestor pitch today like they have been punching guys out left and right like I don't know what has gotten into this rotation but like Nestor Sevy and Cole have just been punching guys out like it like they're punching tickets on a train it like they're making it look easy uh, we've said it once we said it a thousand times I have no concern about the bullpen whatsoever um I think I have a little concern with some bats. All and right. like even then, like like for me, I like I'm a little concerned on how Peraza's been doing. Um, because he's supposed to be the guy who was gonna be the starting shortstop until, you know, Volpe had has played his hand rather well. So you know, Hicks seems like he's regressing again after we sung his praises a couple weeks ago. Um, well, also have to figure, and now we're at the part of spring training where the good pitchers are coming out more often. Yeah, and and, and, and yeah, that's I guess that's the part where you know, again, always p- pitching is always going to be ahead of hitting. Um, well, it, it's been ahead of hitting for decades at this point. Yeah, yeah, but I, but even then, I, I just mean like going into a season. Like, oh, you know, okay, yeah. like it, it's a little bit harder, I think. Like, once pitchers start getting into that groove where they're snapping off their breaking pitches, like all that, then it's a little bit harder for the hitters to kind of get back into that rhythm. So I'm not, like, overly concerned, 
But, you know, today against Steven Matz, you know, they didn't field in, in their entire lineup, but, like, you know, they only pushed across one run. And we didn't see – like, you know, Stanton had a good hit, but, like, the only run was an Oswaldo Cabrera home run. So I would I would like to see them tune that up a little bit going at the end, into the last handful of games. Um, but overall, like, you know, I could be saying all that and all the guys are kind of checked out on spring training wise and they're just like, hey, let's stay healthy. Let's, you know, let's just see pitches and go from there. Yeah, I mean, I, I am very happy and kind of excited for DJ LeMay because you could see just in how he's taking his at-bats and just the kind of contact he's making with the ball. Rehabbing it, it took a while, but that toe is healthy. And he's going to yeah. – he looks like DJ LeMayhew again. Yeah. And again, that, that, yeah, isn't, that isn't to say he's going he's gonna to bat 350 immediately. No, no, no. But, like, you know, if you can get a 270, 280 out of him, you know. That's yeah. pad that with some other guys who might hit the same and you have judge doing his thing, then it's a good recipe. Let's talk about a game that happened a couple of days ago. Yankees were playing the Tigers and uh, Josh Donaldson just launched two home runs. Like we, we've been waiting for this version of Josh Donaldson since last season. And you in particular, Alec pointed out, he made a very specific mechanical change. And then when you look at the tape from last year, compared to these two home runs, it really is a night and day difference at what he was doing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so he's not as much into his legs. Like we all remember Donaldson for the, as you, I think described like the very twitchy low in his legs stance with a huge leg kick and just violent swing. Yeah. Almost, like I, I think um, I, I was talking to my brother about this the other day. I said, it looked like he was kind of trying to leapfrog at the ball. Yeah, yeah, very, very aggressive. Great balance and stuff. Very, yeah. very aggressive towards the ball. Um, and sure enough, in the Tigers game, after a pretty slow start to spring training where it looked like the same issues were plaguing him from, from last year, which is hitting a lot of balls on the ground, getting beat by fastballs. Um, I, I don't know if he did this earlier in, like, in the games leading up to that game, like maybe a game or two before. Uh, but I just noticed in that event, I was like, wow, he's standing a little bit taller. He's not as crouched. I and mean, that twitchiness has been tuned down just a bit. And sure enough, he gets his barrel on a fastball out in front of home plate and he launches it. So, you know, I'm like, what was his biggest issue last year, right? You yeah. you kind of like you implied it looked like he was guessing too much. Yeah. And I countered, I don't think he was guessing. I just don't think he was getting into a position to pull the trigger. And so that's why he was staring yeah. at so many fastballs. Because, you know, and I, I said in the group, like, it, like this sounds so simple and so stupid, but, like, you can't start the swing until your foot hits the ground. Like, just the way the kinetic chain builds up from your feet into, like, your final swing you know, that can't get started until your foot gets down. And last year, it just seemed like his foot was getting caught in the air for too long. And, you know, then what happens? You you either are late on the fastball, you're topping the breaking ball, and you're just catching everything deeper, which just changes your launch angle to beat the ball into the ground. And it wasn't just like Donaldson was hitting hard ground balls. He was hitting choppers that were hitting the, you know, if, if you're doing batting practice on the field before a game, there's a tarp apron in front of home plate, so you're not yeah. – 
that thing into solid rock, you know, he's beating it into the apron and, you know, getting four or five bounces to the shortstop. So, yeah, I mean, like you, like you're kind of making me think of something my old hitting coach, my old high school hitting coach would say about moving in the box. It's like the more you move in the box, the more you set yourself up for a bad swing or a late swing. And, and yeah, now it all makes sense because you could see with the way Donaldson was, you're saying he's chopping the ball being into the ground. The only way he's doing that is if he's so late that he's kind of forcing the ball back across the plate as it's already kind of crossed it. Yeah. Yeah. And look, I mean, he has made it to this point working with a very unique swing that has worked only for him. You know, I, when I was an instructor and I was teaching, you know, all these different aged kids, you know, anytime I pull up a, a a Donaldson video, I always prefaced it with saying, now, look, I might tell you not to do this. And then you look at Donaldson, he's doing it. I just want you to know that Donaldson is very unique and has a, such a fantastic understanding of how his own body and how his swing works. Yeah. It's going to work for him. That doesn't mean it's going to work for you. Chris Kirscher, the athletic recently had a talk with him. It's astounding because, like, because yeah, I know we, I know we kind of get on Donaldson for being kind of the bad boy, kind of, kind of a jerk, kind of rough around the edges. But just listening to his interview, the guy's almost like a savant in terms mm-hmm. of his preparation. Like this guy works so clearly, like has a workout regimen down to a science. He he knows how he feels and when he feels good and when like he, he's because he said uh, to the New York Post, if I. I know when I can't contribute to a team and when I get to that point, I'm gone. Yeah. And, and so then he pretty much said, so now he's saying, no, no, like in terms of pre- preparation, I feel good. I'm like, I'm just still getting to where I need to be. So you have to figure he looked at, okay, what's my exercise routine. I've been doing this. All right. This isn't the problem. Looking at, looking at how I feel with the bat. Okay. The bat feels okay. Let's look at the tape. Where's the problem. Oh, I'm moving too much. All of a sudden, like like we've said again, beating this dead horse against the Tigers, standing up taller in the box and just staying with the ball. Yeah, nice level swing. It's that simple. Yeah, I mean, th- like let's be honest, the change was necessitated by just him getting older, and he's probably lost a mile or two on his bat speed. He's so, thirty-seven, not twenty-seven. Yeah. So, and look, it happens. I'm I'm just glad to see that he wasn't stubborn enough to just try to stick through it and sit and be like, no, this is my swing. I'm not changing it, which there are hitters who do that. Yeah. So, you know, that was very encouraging to see him willing to do something different because like, you know, he, he knows, he knows what he can produce. And if you look at his numbers, if you look at his baseball savant page, you know, the numbers kind of back up what he feels. He knows he can still produce. He, he was still top tier in, you know, I think it was like 96th percentile in exit velos last year. Yeah. So he can still hit the ball hard. Like just- I, I remember right when the trade happened, like I was talking to a few people who were hitting on the trade. I actually showed the Savant chart and said, look, you might not like the trade. You might not like the trade for Josh Donaldson. But these numbers right here say that regardless of his production, he's not going to swing at any bad pitches. Yeah. And like, and especially coming off a team that in 2021 struck out way too much. It was like strikeout was almost a default setting for that lineup that year. Like that that's kind of that should be refreshing to see. Yeah. But then what happens is his he kind of gets lost in his mechanics. Yep. Starts swinging at bad pitches. And it's this whole idea of 
you know, trying to slow down the game and try to slow down the at-bat, right? And Donaldson, mm-hmm. and and if we want to go back to his time in Toronto, guys like him and Bautista were really good at doing that because they had such big moves. You know, when I say big moves, the big load, the big leg kick, you know, really yeah. flashy with the swing. Like those guys could slow the game down through how they timed it. You know, they get started early, they get started slow, they don't rush it. And as long as they timed it to where they can get their foot down, it doesn't matter if that dude was throwing 102 or or 92. Like, they were going to catch up with it because they could keep the game a little bit slower. What did we see last year? It looked like the game sped up on Josh a little bit. And then then he was doing those, I mean, how many times did we see last year those, you know, those feeble half-attempt swings at a pitch where, you know, it's in the catcher's glove. It's like, oh, shit, let me try to, you know, foul that off. And then he does he needs to do it. So you have to figure there's also probably a mental aspect to it. Uh, because uh, up until the up until going to the Yankees, if you look at Donaldson's career, and like maybe not so much in Oakland, but pretty much from Toronto up until he goes to the Yankees, yeah, he's technically a journeyman playing for like three or four teams, but at the same time, he's he was on a team to kind of be the guy. Whereas, yeah. whereas on the Yankees, he's he's not a second banana by any means, but he, the pressure isn't there for him to be a superstar. He just needs to be like a solid, uh, effective contributor in the middle of the lineup. But just because he's so used to being a superstar for so long, or maybe like there's that mental game where he's just putting that pressure on himself to be great. Oh, yeah. You know, and the worst thing a hitter can do is let things snowball. Yeah. So, you know, hopefully, you know, I was actually hoping to see if he would play today because I, I wanted to continue to take a look at his swing and just how he looked in general at the plate. Um, but hopefully he can build off that because I'll tell you what, I know it was one game and two at-bats, but that was very encouraging to see. Like, he was not getting beat on inside fastballs, you know, so. Yeah, he stood tall, stayed with it. And, and like, let's not forget, too, like, you know, he struggled last year. I pulled up his stats. He struck out 148 times and he hit 222. But, you know, he still had 15 home runs. So, if, you know, we don't need him to hit another 15 and become a 30 home run guy again. But if he can hit another five to seven, that's good production. That's good. Yeah, like that's 20-ish home runs from Josh Donaldson is a very realistic expectation. Yeah, and like, and honestly, let's be fair. In twenty twenty one, he hit twenty six. There you go. He can still hit. Yeah, he can absolutely still hit. Actually, I'm All sorry. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, I missed Red Sox. Go ahead. Yeah. All right. So let's speaking of the lineup. It's well before we get to the lineup, let's talk the shortstop battle. Isaiah Kiner Falefa. It's not. No, he's out. No, it's not happening. At, at this point, you're probably you have to figure it's going to be either Anthony Volpe. Oswald Peraza, or maybe just to surprise all of us, Boone puts Ozzy Cabrera there. Right. Uh, I, You and I, and uh, also in a group chat recently, talked about building a lineup with Anthony Volpe as the leadoff man at shortstop. Uh, I think that's honestly a fantastic idea because, yeah, you're putting a lot of pressure on the kid from the get-go, but A, he's clearly ready for it. He's He reads the zone so well for someone his age. But also you're kind of setting him up for success and that he's automatically going to get good pitches to hit because who's right behind him, Aaron Judge? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, with Volpe, 
it has it has to be telling that he's hitting either leadoff or fifth in every game that he starts, and he's getting multiple back to back starts. He's like I'm interested to see interested to see if there's a breakdown in innings played at shortstop and and if he's leading that group that you mentioned the Cabreras and the Perazas. Um, look, uh, I think he should be on the opening day roster. I know there's a lot of people who would disagree with me. I wouldn't be upset about him playing in AAA, but like at the end of the day. I think David Cohn has summarized it best is like, you want your most athletic players on the big league roster. And he is their most athletic player or one of them. Yeah. Because like you said, he's going to get good pitches to hit at the top of the order. And if he doesn't, he has the eye to take a walk. He has a patience to take a walk. And then what he's going to hit you with your speed or with his speed. And then, and then by having, okay. So you put him in, you put him in the leadoff spot. Then you got judge. You figure Rizzo's next stands clean up. And then how about this? DJ LeMay, who's batting fifth. Yeah. Yeah. With, with, with that kind of contact, and you have to figure DJ strikeouts are probably going to be down a bit this year because he's not going to be trying for power so much with no shift. Like he can actually go back to being DJ LeMayhew. Mm-hmm. And so you got runners on base with DJ LeMayhew all of a sudden batting fifth instead of first. You put a rookie in the middle of the lineup, you can kind of dick around with the strike zone and make him chase. Yeah. You can't do that with DJ LeMayhew. Yeah. Um, and I, I do want to say for all the positives that I have with, uh, Volpe, I have two concerns. What's that? One that one's more, more of a concern than the other. And, and it's, you know, it's when he's at the plate, my two concerns are the slider, mm-hmm. but I kind of hand wave that with a lot of people struggle with the slider. Yeah, Derek Jeter struggled with the low and outside slider. You know, it's not so much that he that a guy like Volpe has to be able to hit that kind of pitch. It's just he needs to be able to lay off. Like, what does Judge do? Judge struggled with those low breaking balls that were at the knee or lower. Yep. Right, and and when he was having those really high strikeout seasons, you know, it looked like he was kind of trying to force it. But now, what does he do? Lets him go. He lets him go, and if he gets rung up on that pitch. Oh, well, right. He yeah. knows he can't hit that pitch and therefore yeah. he's going to force the pitcher to elevate his pitches. And then that's where a judge does damage. So See? go ahead. Go ahead. But just to finish my thought, like for Volpe, I'm not so concerned about that. The one thing I am a little bit more concerned is the high fastball. Yeah. Oh God. God. So many hitters have been burned by the high fastball. It's ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. He's I'm like, you could tell Volpe is a student of launch angle. Um, so, you know, I, and I, we've seen him get beat a couple times on that high pitch. Uh, so, you know, it's, I'll give, you want to take, are you going to accept those kind of shortcomings just to give him time? I'm I'm, personally, for me, I say, yes, let him figure it out. I'll give Volpe this much credit about, about the launch angle though. Um, uh, I'm not overly concerned about that part just because, and, and I'm sure you've noticed this too, when he swings for a launch, he's not swinging for a fly ball. He's swinging for like a decent line drive or, yes. or like or like a higher end line drive. He's not like trying to clear the wall like Joey Gallo. He's, well, he's yeah. trying to well, put because, the ball in the air. Yeah. I mean, the way I see it with Volpe's swing, it, it kind of, I kind of think the same way with like Cabrera. 
Okay. Where the two of them are better low ball hitters, just because like that's their yeah. profile. Uh, like, Cabrera especially, he's wow. Yeah, like the way they both swing, they I think they can handle the bottom of the zone really well. It's also kind of like Mike Trout. He can handle the bottom of the zone really well, but as you start climbing the ladder, that's where it gets difficult. Now, again, you know, you need pitchers to be able to hit it, like, or to hit that spot to be effective. And some pitchers can, a lot of pitchers can't. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I'm willing to just, you know, give him a couple, like a month or two and just be like, hey, man, just go out there and play. Be you. Let's, let's touch on something you said about Volpe uh, just a few minutes earlier, Alec. Uh, you did mention Volpe is a student of launch angle. The launch angle school of hitting was very clearly born out of trying to clear the shift. Uh, it's in some cases, it's helped careers and others like Gary Sanchez, it's ruined careers. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you think that now that the shift is banned, speaking from like a coaching perspective, how hard is it going to be to for some of these players to break that habit of just trying to instead of play, playing baseball every time and taking a bat to just, as, as I like to say, go golfing. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I think the idea of a launch angle swing gets a bad rap because you look at the extremes like a Joey Gallo. Sure. Um, and for guys like Joey Gallo, they will continue to struggle. Like the, the shift is not going to help him. If it does, it'll raise his batting average from 198 to 215. But you know, it's it's not going to help him in any other regard, in my opinion. Yeah, the way it sh- launch angle, quote unquote, should be taught, and is and I think people who do their jobs correctly, the way they do teach it is, you want to hit hard line drives at a certain angle to maximize your ability to get a hit it's not swing for the fences right it's can you make contact on the barrel with the ball going you know for these major leaguers 95 plus miles an hour off the bat above a certain angle because if you do that chances are it's an extra base hit or it's a home run yeah guys think it's guys think launch angle or or, uh, like trying to hit a ball 35 to 40 degrees in the air which Look, you can hit a home run at that angle, but you're gonna have to hit it really freaking hard. Yeah. Like, you, like, like when, well, with those numbers, you're talking about finding a perfect mistake and making an even more perfect swing with the most perfect contact. Right. Right. So, you know, there are definitely gonna be guys who who will struggle, and then there are gonna be guys who I think will be fine. Yeah, Labor Torres might hit over three hundred this year with no shift. Eh, let's let's pump the brakes there. I don't he, know. He, he could he could easily hit at or about three hundred just from being able to go up the middle alone. Yes, if he sticks to that. If he sticks on an approach that's center to right center, which is a cliche, I know, but for a guy like him, that's that's where it works. But if he starts trying to sell out again, he's flying open with the front hip. Okay, I am going, I'm going. i going to say this again because some people need need reminding. When Glaber Torres is at his best and not selling out for home runs, he is Pavel Datsuk with a baseball bat in his hands. Those <laughs> hands are so soft. Those wrists are unbelievable. Give it a little flick of the wrist. Uh, my greater concern with Torres right now, if we're being completely honest, is um, WBC rust just because – 
okay, yeah, it's technically glorified spring training games, mm-hmm. but now it's like, okay, you're okay, like now, all right, back to work. Like this isn't me shitting on the WBC like everybody else. I I thought it was great this year. I thought it was maybe the best yet. Uh, but definitely your routine traveling with a national team is going to be way different than your day to day routine when you're actually in spring training. Never now, now granted, Labor's a professional. He he knows what he's doing. He's been back at camp for a while. We are recording this exactly one week out from opening day. I'm not super concerned about Glaber, but I wouldn't be surprised if like his first week uh, we're bemoaning him in the group chat is what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, for a lot of these guys, I always expect slow starts. He's no different. Um, so, I mean, I'll be, yeah, I'll be interested to see how the world baseball classic affects some of those guys who played. And and if they get off to slow starts or because like you would kind of think you would think for some guys, at least maybe the guys who played on like Team USA, you know, playing against Japan, you know, they faced more season ready pitching than the guys still stuck in spring training. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how, how everything plays out for sure. Uh, you like that one guy on uh, the Japanese team. Uh, Munitaka, Munitaka Murakami. We're going to give the audience a quick rundown. Munitaka Murakami is a big, beefy first baseman for Team Japan. He just turned 23 years old. He plays for the Yakult. I think that's the Swallows. Yeah, Yakult Swallows. His numbers last year, 141 games, because remember, Japan has a shorter season. 318, 458 on base percentage, 1.168 OPS, uh, he had 56 home runs, 134 RBIs, 100 walks, and uh, over 100 strikeouts. Uh, wow, and only only seven double plays, 25 intentional walks. Uh, have I made my point? Yeah, I mean, uh, and mind you, those 56 home runs were uh, a record. Oh he yeah, that's right. Sada Haru O, who he wears his number four. Um, yeah, and I know he struggled in the World Baseball Classic, but those last two games, the the game-winning hit to send his team to the finals and then that home run, all you need to know about that, dude. His swing is short, it is quick, and he is strong. I mean, he's going to be a star, in my opinion. And the weird weird thing is... uh... That swing, as pretty as it was at the last minute, he kind of did that did that sort of Aaron Hicks thing that drives me nuts. Where swing, 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 and instead of instead of finishing clean through, swing, 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 kind of kicks it up at the end, and he still somehow parlayed that into a double. Yeah, it almost uh, cleared the wall. I feel like that's a very like Japanese style of hitting. Uh, yes, it is because uh, even though Japan has more, they've embraced the uh, NPB has embraced power a lot more in recent years. It does sound like, and maybe this is largely because of the baseball too, um, whole field hitting is still very much encouraged, which I think is fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But uh, Murakami, future Yankee, perhaps? I hope so. (laughs) We're going to need a first baseman in a couple of years, man. Yeah. um, First, I I guess he can play third, too. I saw him playing third at the World Baseball Classic. but He could could play third, but, like, with that build, he's definitely, I think, more more primed for first base, especially as he gets older. Yeah, yeah. I mean, 
look, if he if he can be a Hideki Matsui again, who another reason why he wears number fifty five, um, and I think probably one of the reasons why he would want to be a Yankee because I think didn't he say that he was either interested in a West Coast team or the Yankees? Yes, he did. Yeah, so we so there's that connection. So Got hopefully it. the Cashman and company can play into that. Um, Hideki Matsui, one of my mother's favorite Yankees. She's you know, still... I feel like I feel like he's so underappreciated, but that's he really complete, is. That's a completely different conversation. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was so cool watching the World Baseball Classic because it, it, I think it showed that the talent level in Japan and the gap between the Japanese league and Major League Baseball is growing. You know, closer and closer. It's not as it's not as big of a gulf anymore, you know. It's yeah. I mean, I'll, we still need some more hitters to come over and produce, produce like at the at the high level. Now, mm-hmm. now, now granted, Sai Suzuki, even though he's hurt, he's still on a five year deal. He could still turn things around and and set things in motion. But it's like I was saying the other day, like there's been ever since nineteen sixty four. There are now 65 Japanese players that have come over to um, the major leagues, and only three hitters have made an impact. It was Ichiro, Hideki Matsui, and Shohei Otani. Yes. Um, yeah. I like, yeah, I mean, I'm looking at Seiya Suzuki's numbers from last year, and yeah, 111 games, 14 home runs, 262 batting average. That's. If he can build on that, I think he can become a member of that group. I, I have full confidence that Sai Suzuki can be an elite MLB talent. He just has to stay off the trainer's table. Yes. Um, I know you're pretty bullish on Yoshida. I think he's going to be a pretty good hitter, at least, um, regardless of what he can do in the field, because I know that's you know suspect. But... Yeah, I mean, I I think Yoshida is going to be. Yeah, I I just sit there feeling a little bit of regret that the Yankees didn't maybe play make a more serious play for him than. Okay, well, l- let me let me clarify my position on Masataki Yoshida. Now, first off, I think that I I do not think he's going to be a bust in the major leagues by any stretch of the imagination. Like as different as as Japanese baseball is. Uh, not just in how the game's played, just in terms of the fact that they have the universal ball, which actually matters uh, if you think about it long term. Uh, I think that at the end of the day, he's going. I don't think he's going to have like the elite numbers he had in Japan. He'll be serviceable still, but I think that I'm more concerned that at the end of the day, though he'll be effective and maybe have a, have a little more power than the comparison I'm about to make. I uh, I'm pretty sure that. For the Red Sox, he's essentially going to be overpaid Andrew Benintendi because, like, pretty much the the general consensus when the Red Sox signed him was like, "Look, we love the player. They signed him for double what he was worth." Right. Yeah, I mean, because he's not he's not a big guy either. No, he yeah he's not. He's I mean, I can just see him being, you know, I I, I have a. Uh, an affinity for Japanese swings, especially lefties. Yeah. And I could just, I could just see him hitting like 40 doubles and it's just like, it would be so pretty. Oh God. Now 
Now you're making me hate that he's on the Red Sox. Yeah. Like, what, yeah, I, yeah I know. But like, how about you? You want to talk about like, you know, uh, uh, you know, Josh Donaldson knowing everything about like hit, how his swing works and what he can do with his body. I mean, like you get that with Japanese hitters all the time. You know, you yeah. just see the the kind of martial way they approach it and in their balance and in, in their movements. Everything is purposeful. Nothing seems rushed. You know, like uh, so. And yeah, you I sound I, like I a hitting coach right now. I know. I know. I just, uh, I just, I love it. I love it. <laughs> You know, yeah, you're uh, about hitting the way I am with pitching. So yeah, so and I and I never pitched once. That, uh, uh, was it Sasaki or what? What was his name? That's 21 year old. Oh, oh, uh, on Japan. Uh, I know who you're talking about. I'm blanking on the name. I mean, talk, you know, talk about another guy who's going to be a star in the major leagues one day. Like, can't wait until he comes over. <laughs> I mean, yeah, like we'll see. Hold on, I'm 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 gonna I'm googling this right now. Japanese pitcher. <laughs> Hold on, Roki, yeah, Roki Sasaki. I can't even pronounce it. Okay, Sasaki, Sasaki, Roki Sasaki. Here we go. There we go. Um, the monster of the Reiwa era, whatever that means. All right, Chibalote. Okay, Chibalote's not terrible. Well, he threw like a 19 strikeout perfect game, right? Oh, oh, that's the that's the guy. That's the guy. Oh my goodness! And he's 21 years old. He's 21, six two. Oh, oh my goodness. Okay, here are his numbers from from Chiba last year. Uh, 20 games, nine and four, 2.02 ERA, uh, 129 strikeout, 29.1 innings, 173 strikeouts. Uh, man, you ready for this? 12 Ks per nine, 1.6 walks per nine. Like he he honestly sounds like the second coming of pitching Otani. Jeez. And by the way, he's actually 6'4. Christ. Yeah, okay. Uh yeah, let's uh let's save our international money and go get him. <laughs> um oh oh god, we, we gotta we gotta talk about this. Um so yesterday, did you hear Reggie Jackson went on Howard Stern? No. So he's plugging his new documentary, Reggie, that comes out on Amazon tomorrow. He went so far as to say, like, he first off, he's a special assistant for the Astros, and I get he's got to put the team over. But he was talking about adding Jose Abreu as if that was, like, a, a really good acquisition. Here I am going, um, okay, he's 36. You're paying him almost $20 million a year, and he just had his first sub-20 home run season in baseball. Yeah, um, I completely forgot he was on the Astros until I saw a highlight the other day, and I was like, "Oh shit, I forgot about that." Um, <laughs> wow, you really don't care about the Astros. Yeah, I don't. Uh, <laughs> but I, I I do think that was a good, like money aside, finances aside, I do think it was a good acquisition because yes, he might have had his first sub twenty home runs. He's and he still at three hundred. That has the Crawford boxes, like. Well, yeah, like I, I don't know. I'm, I'm just sick of how, I'm just sick of how the Astros are slowly but surely turning into baseball's Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, because like Jim Crane, he's officially become Jerry Jones, and that he's become he's becoming so hands on in baseball ops that James Click, who was ready to keep utilizing Houston's really strong minor league system. 
and they and he just fired him because he like wanted to like uh, cut the payroll and just move more in that direction. Then he goes ahead and hires this guy. I think Dana Brown is his name. Who very ta- like very talented uh, executive. He was a big scouting guy. Mm-hmm. But uh, at the same at the same time, yeah, Dana Brown. Uh, I'm just worried that Crane hired him because okay, this is someone with an old school mentality, which. Okay, granted, no shift means you can go back to that, but I'm just worried that they're going to start worrying. They're going to start gambling or just trying to build off of a somewhat tainted winning legacy, and it's they're just going to start buying and buying and buying and buying, and all of a sudden, Myerling system's gone, and they're in cowboy land. Yeah, just like talking about the glory days left and right yeah but wouldn't that also be best because then it's just like we all make fun of the cowboys like yeah (laughs) like like you hate the giants and you and you and i go at it all the time i don't hate the giants i just i i'm just related to very annoying giants fans and then you know we have a buddy who's an Eagles fan. We go at it all the time. My girlfriend's yeah. an Eagles fan. We go at it all the time. But we all can agree, fuck the Cowboys. Fuck the Cowboys real hard. So, you know. Yeah. I, 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 I'd be perfectly fine with, you know, if in three, four years the Astros become, sure, a team that will always, you know, perennial, like be at the top of their division, mainly because the division has historically been weak. Um, yeah, only to get bounced in the first round. Uh, yeah, that that would be great. They're also basically asking Framber Valdez and Christian Javier to put up two hundred inning seasons each. Yeah, I, I think I have more faith in Christian Javier than I do Valdez. Well, Valdez, I think, did it last year though, or came pretty close. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Yeah, have we covered everything. Yeah, I, th- I think we covered everything. Yeah, I think so. All right. Well, Yankees have a split squad game tomorrow. Uh, the Twins, that game's on yes. Uh, then I forget who else they're playing after that. But, uh, yeah, we will be back uh, some point next week, either before or after opening day. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to go to opening day like I did last year. I'll probably stay at home. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, uh, should be a should be a fun season, man. You ready for it? Yeah. <laughs> Are we ever ready for it? No, we're never ready for it, ever gotta strap into that emotional roller coaster yeah all right how many meltdowns are we gonna have in the group chat within the first week first week uh about the team none about individual players how many guys are on the roster (laughs) you got the aaron hicks bullets ready for the chamber nice i love it that gun is cocked and loaded (laughs) oh i just dropped my mouse okay (laughs) oh did the battery come okay no it didn't all right (laughs) all right okay We're a hot mess, folks. We're going to end the show before it gets even worse. Enjoy opening day and the rest of March Madness. We'll see you next week. Bye.